Hello, everyone, and welcome to Note to Scene, a music news podcast covering everything from pop punk to metalcore. I'm Matt Crane. I'm Tyler Sharp. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen, where every week we discuss and debate all the biggest news stories in the music scene. Find more episodes of the show on Apple Podcasts, where you should please rate and review us. Email us at note to scene at gmail.com. So much to talk about this week. We got big news from I Prevail and Panic of the Disco. But first, we're going to talk about My Chemical Romance, the Final Warp Tour, and whether or not we should stop trying to bring this band back to life. All right, let's go. It was good, man. Saw a lot of a lot of family that I don't get to see very often, and um, ate a shit ton of food. Felt like <laughs> crap afterwards, but it was totally worth it. <laughs> How about you? It's pretty terrible, man. Like, I mean, it was good. <laughs> I, I enjoyed the experience, but you know, I like I did the typical ate way too much, mm-hmm. felt miserable afterwards, mm-hmm. and found myself saying, "I'm never going to do this again," which I'm pretty <laughs> sure I did last year. But it, for me, it was like a combo of you already overeat on Thanksgiving, and then mm-hmm. I was watching my my team lose. Ooh. So you combine it with stress eating, like stress eating plus Thanksgiving eating, mm-hmm. and it was just I ate way too much, and I felt like I wanted to die. So um, good times though. Good times. Good happy, times. Happy fucking holidays. Right, right. Yeah, I felt I felt your pain, man, all the way to Indiana, watching the end yeah. of that Lions game. Yeah, yeah, man. All right, um, let's knock out some listener questions. We are still... Actually, first, quick shouts to 30 Seconds to Mars. Walk on Water is number one at Alt Radio. Boom, dude. Still rolling. Still rolling. Number one. I think it's a hit. It's number one. That's, that, that is as definitive of a hit as you can get. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't... I got to admit, I didn't think they still had, still had it in them to I, get a song number one. You I know, after either. the last album, didn't do that. Right. Shouts to shouts to sports, man. <laughs> <laughs> shouts to sports anthems. All right. Our first question comes in from listener Tyler H, who writes into note to scene at gmail.com. Tyler says, What's up, guys? Tyler, aka the only hardcore kid that listens to note to scene, <laughs> writing you guys again to ask a quick question. With all the bullshit and neg- negativity that is push- punishing what's left of the scene, I think we are officially in the grievance and remembrance stage of the scene's life. It's time to start thinking about what to put in the obituary, starting with Warp Tour. What are your guys' favorite memories of Warp Tour throughout the years? Any groundbreaking performances or dramatic acts that we will be telling our kids and grad kids for years to come? I personally enjoyed the documentaries that Warp Tour produced, especially No Room for Rock Stars. I'd really love to hear your input, as I think we all need help in this time of grief. Keep slaying the podcast, sending love all the way from Alberta, Canada. It's interesting you bring up the documentaries, Tyler, because mm-hmm. I actually really loved those as well. Um, yes. Especially Views ran this really cool one called like Warped Inside and Out. And it just sort of highlighted Kevin dealing with a bunch of the bands and a bunch of these growing bands on the tour. Watching bands like From First to Last Rise on Warp Tour would probably be one of my favorite things. Just probably, I want to say, 04 to 06, where you had this, like, it was with the invasion of the emo bands to Warp Tour. It was mm-hmm. probably, is probably my favorite memory of Warp Tour, where 
there was a real tension of emo versus punk. You had a lot of these ba- these older punk bands, veterans of Warped Tour, like No Effects and Pennywise, you know, fighting bands like My Chemical Romance and Under Oath. You mm-hmm. know, they were just like not about this new emo bullshit. And uh, it was so much fun to watch, just, you know, sort of seeing it. It was like my music was taking over Warped Tour. And it was like, get out of here, old guys, you know? Right. And um, at the time, I just specifically always go back to like from first to last, watching them, you know, sort of blow up in 04, you know, playing the small stage and then getting to see them play main stage in 06 with Sonny, you know, before they eventually dropped off. But, you know, they were a main, they were a true main stage band at that point. Like, you just see the crowds they were playing to in 06, just seeing Sonny Moore up there slaying it was so great. Um, Another thing I just think of on a smaller scale is Bless the Falls 2007 Warped Tour run. Nice. It just, it blows my mind. Anytime I go back and revisit it, because that band literally is the definition of blew up on warped uh, they were the buzz band of that year they just their crowds were insane you know craig mabbitt was going nuts climbing jumping off everything it, it was insane you know he was walking doing crowd walking jumping off giant speakers the band really got a reputation on warp tour that year and it like really made them um as far as my favorite performances i've ever seen probably silverstein and chiodos will go down as my top performances how about nice. you t-shirt it's tough because, like I said on our Warp Tour episode, I didn't go to my first Warp Tour until 2013, so my memories are pretty recent. But as far as overall, the the thing I look back on Warp Tour on most highly is just how Under Oath uh, rose thanks to that tour. They were right. just when they released "They're Only Chasing Safety" in 2004, they were on the tour that summer, and they the amount of copies of that album that they were selling day to day was absolutely ridiculous. And they really owe Warp Tour a lot as far as how that band blew up in the way that they did. And hundreds of other bands do as well. They did it with a, when Dallas was still in the band once, didn't they? Like a small run, I think. Yeah, it was right when... So there, it was 2003, and I can't remember exactly who was on it at that time. But it was either the very end of Dallas or the very beginning of Spencer. But there are videos of it on YouTube, and that's how I lived it through. Just going back and watching old interviews and living that time vicariously through the internet. The internet could be a really good place for stuff like that. But as far as things that I got to witness, 2013, watching Bring Me the Horizon so far away that I couldn't even see the stage, it just (laughs) felt like it mattered so much back then. I literally couldn't even see the stage. I was probably two football fields back, and the crowd was just... It, it was the biggest thing I'd ever seen at Warp Tour. And uh, yeah. it just felt good to know that it was so healthy at that point. Um, 2014, I drove down to Indy with a really close friend of mine. Um, before I started working at AP, I worked at a Burger King. And this friend and I were just got super close. And her friend's band were opening on, like, they, they won a competition about all the bands. And then they played on this one stage. So we drove down there. Hung out at Warp Tour all day. It was just exactly what I felt like Warp Tour was supposed to be growing up. And like my favorite bands that I saw that day were Terror and Close Your Eyes. And it just didn't even matter like what bands that I saw. I was just sharing it with someone that you care about. And it was, I just felt like that's what Warp Tour always should have been. And total shout outs to the documentaries. I wanted to bring that up on the Warp Tour episode and we didn't get around to it, but. I loved that No Room for Rockstars documentary. It talks about so good. Mitch Lucker, Chris Drew, Forever Came Calling, and Mike Posner. 
and just all those different <laughs> angles of warp tour and just seeing how the tour works behind the scenes and for bands out on the road it's just a great insight and if you haven't seen it i highly recommend it and if you have seen it like the portrait that that documentary paints of kevin is exactly right. how kevin is in real life yes. like i just it it really does kevin justice absolutely um our next question comes in from listener chris q Chris says, Matt and Tyler, big fan of the pod. Mostly the much appreciated snark mixed with legit critique. Thank you, Chris. For context, I'm 38 and have already lived in full that emo metalcore dream you guys describe as the glory days. I think we call it the golden age. I need you <laughs> now, though, to keep up on all the new stuff, even though we'd agree most of it unfortunately sucks. I wanted to write because the Lil Peep episode really resonated with me. A genuine thank you for articulating what made him great. Even for a semi-washed-up dude like me, he instantly felt like a future we had been long waiting for. Of all the artists of the, the 2010s, I'd offer Grimes Art Angels as the only other record that captured even close to that level of genre bending future. But yeah, I wish things were better. On a lighter note, when you guys talked supergroups the other week, nobody mentioned the new tragic post from first to last Phil and post under oath pre Maylene Dallas. Nothing obvious came of this beyond a MySpace EP, but honorable mention, this was drugs eight years before drugs. Keep up the good work. Okay. Okay, Chris. <laughs> so first, I got to stop. I, I, I got to... The, the new tragic is a special ongoing joke mm. between me and Tyler and has been for a long time. Um, I, I like this band, Tyler. I don't know about you. I enjoy the songs. But I, Supergroup, we're going real far, I feel like. <laughs> because this band, for those who don't know, was made up of Philip Reardon, who... He was, uh, he sung for, he wasn't even from First Last Original Singer. He only sang on their aesthetic EP. And after the band kicked him out because he, he fucking sucked, he somehow roped Dallas, the original singer of Under Oath, into this project. And, you know, Dallas has denounced this project, like, in every which way. And, mm -hmm. and claimed, Dallas even claims he never recorded vocals for it. He said he just, like, helped them out with promos and did pictures for them, which, you know, I guess pick and choose who you want to believe. But I don't know. I think it is super group a stretch here, Tyler Sharp. I think in the context of 2005, when this happened, I think you because, can call it a super group. Okay. But Just, I, I mean, I remember when it happened and it wasn't a drugs level. Right. Event. Not like, at all. This was a small thing. You had to look for it. I remember looking I... back. We can call it a super group. But as it was happening, it was difficult to say because all these bands were still rising outside of from first to last and under oath. There were members of Red Jumpsuit Apparatus and Cute is what we aim for. Involved oh, yeah. In this and project. the guy, the, I think his name's like Mark, Mark Webb. He went to found that band. It's Alive who got oh, like a major right. label deal. Yep. Yeah. So th there was a lot of shit going. I guess. Yeah, it's a posthumous supergroup. But sure. at the time, you know, like Phil wasn't this massive star and Dallas says he wasn't even really in the band. So I know. I have so, I could do an entire podcast about <laughs> that, the new that, tragic. It, we band. are doing the new tragic podcast. Thank you so much Chris for bringing this up. I never thought we'd get to talk about the new tragic on note to scene. <laughs> so, I won't drag this out too far because I totally could, but I'll try and keep it as short as possible. Well, we're doing a whole show at some when, point right, on this band. That, right. We um I got after we recorded that episode where we talked about the supergroups, after we were done recording, I told Matt I was literally planning on doing the note, the, 
the new tragic as the as my band but due to what dallas has been through over the last year he was in a tragic accident that nearly took his life like he was literally dallas best recovery to dallas man everybody give dallas your wishes he was literally pronounced dead at the scene and i remember i was still at ap at the time and running that story in the middle of the night and going on facebook and seeing his brother posting that it doesn't look like Dallas is going to make it. That was kind of like my little peep moment. If you guys listened to our bonus episode last week and I, it just Dallas's impact on my life. And, and not only that, just the music scene as a whole, um, it cannot be understated. Like if, if it isn't for Dallas, we don't get under oath. And if we don't get under oath, imagine how many bands we don't have without him. So, but, you know, you know that Dallas is not proud of this work and that's why you didn't bring it up. absolutely it's it's not a good time for dallas right i just want to yeah i just wanted to respect him and his wishes to kind of bury this thing because it was basically phil so the new tragic released three songs half cock smile and two guns blazing they don't make hallmark cards for moments like this and you're so jazz face they made a video for half cock smile and phil allegedly tricked dallas into an unbecoming situation and Phil told Dallas that it wouldn't be used in the music video and it was used anyways and what's fun what's funny about the video is it's very it's a very rock star looking video like Dallas look Dallas is wearing sunglasses and like a suit mm-hmm. jacket and like he's got strippers on him and he just looks like he look Dallas looks like a a rock radio bro all the way in this video you know what i mean he it's, it's, just not it's a dallas. very funny look it's not dallas and if you if you if you didn't know it was dallas you'd be like who's that tool in this video like he actually looks like a douche right so we have these three songs and i'm not gonna get too deep into it because i want to keep my under oath secrets for a little while longer as long as i can but these three songs take from what dallas was writing as the follow-up to the changing of times when he was still in under oath. Yeah. So there are a lot of similarities between these songs and they're only chasing safety, which is why they always get called diet. They're only chasing safety. So in the song, they don't make Hallmark cards in the bridge, whoever's screaming it, it's either Phil, it's either Dallas. We don't know at this point. They scream looking past the bright lights. Can you see me now? Under oath, mm-hmm. reinventing your exits. Original title was called look past the bright lights. And before that it was called Heather breed, but it was originally called Look Past the Bright Lights, and that was the chorus hook that Aaron would sing. He'd sing Look Past mm-hmm. the Bright Lights. And um, You're So Jazz Face, which was kind of like the outro song that the new Tragic release. it's just a blatant rip of Some Will Seek Forgiveness, Others Escape, the closing track off of uh, They're Only Chasing Safety. And I just want to close this talk real quick with <laughs> quite possibly my favorite tweet of all time. On April 8th, 2009, Mikey Way from My Chemical Romance tweeted at Phil and said, Holy shit, it's filthy Phil. How the fuck are you living? <laughs> so Phil, after he left from first to last, or was he was kicked out, he want, he very clearly wanted to make this under oath ripoff. You know, th- it was a more mm-hmm. post-hardcore pop-friendly pop, pop version of under oath was all he was really trying to do. And then he went on to like, name himself Phil Gorgeous and he became a rapper for a while and the dude has just been all over the place at one point he was hitting hitting on one of my ex-girlfriends and I saw it on Facebook and um shots to Jane but I uh, totally just (laughs) blew up the comments and was like laughing at him and I started dropping new tragic videos in the comments um 
the dude has just been around and we're we, we we're going overboard gotta go man shouts to maylene and the sun to disaster okay yeah and shouts to dallas with yes. his recovery which looks to be going decent he posted um, a video over the weekend yeah. and he looked he looked healthier which is okay. great to see um we thank tyler and chris for writing in to note seen at gmail.com if you have any questions Please feel free to send them that way. But we got to move on, Tyler, and hit our main story, which is my chemical romance. <laughs> so, did you, did you ever think you'd be saying that? <laughs> uh, no. Yes. I mean, you know. All right. You know how it goes. Mm -hmm. But my chemical romance fans launched a petition for the band to play the final warp tour. This final warp tour we talked about last episode. You can go listen to. It's got sixteen thousand signatures. You know, it's kind of the big story of the week, and. Um, this is sort of the most recent and prominent of many attempts to resuscitate this band we've gone through. And it's just like kind of, um, at what point do we stop doing this, Tyler Sharp? Should we stop doing this? Does it matter? What feelings did this bring to you? I think we should stop doing it because it doesn't matter. <laughs> the problem is that my Chemical Romance are just never going to get back together. And I think people act like they owe us a reunion. They don't owe us shit. Like, they, <laughs> they were a band, they did their thing, and their music exists. Like, wow, you know, they, they're mm -hmm. out doing what they actually want to do now. Gerard Way didn't even want to do My Chemical Romance after the Black Parade cycle. He was ready, he was done. He was like, we took over the world, it's time to end it. But thanks to major label agreements, contracts, all music industry bullshit, they made another album that I don't even know if those dudes like. I don't know if they like Danger Days. They probably do because no one else liked it. <laughs> no one else but Matt Crane. Right. <laughs> Cassie Witt. Shouts to Cassie. Shouts to Cassie. Um, I do like a few songs off Danger Days. But it's just not going to happen. And I think it's it's fine to have these conversations and stuff, but it just doesn't matter. Like we'd sign these petitions and we have these conversations. It feels like once every four or five months, like let's get my chemical romance back together. Is my chemical romance ever <laughs> going to get back together from who I've talked to in their camp? It's never going to happen ever because they don't want to do it. I've heard a few things and okay. Okay. So I don't think the MCR <laughs> reunion is as impossible as you and a lot of people think but we'll get there mm -hmm. um we're gonna have that conversation tyler that you just mentioned mm -hmm. you know even though it doesn't matter it would be the coolest way for warp tour to go out sure can you think of a cooler way for warp tour to go out i mean have under oath on it but <laughs> realistically for the tour what that, band I mean, you know they are is, the is most gonna... beloved emo band of all time right there's no i mean even if you got fallout boy at this point it's almost like they're too pop you know, it'd be cool and people would do it, but it would be way more special, I think, if MCR headlined the final They're Warped Tour. They're just synonymous with our world. That's why everyone associates it with Warp Tour and Alternative Press and this landscape. I think they could also save Warp Tour. I mean, like, you know, we talked about how attendance Here's was down I to, like, 5,000 kids. If My Chemical Romance is doing Warp Tour, you know, you have 15,000, maybe even 20,000 kids coming to every show. And, um... Maybe the tour makes enough money that they stick around, you know, and, and maybe the they, bands, maybe the bands opening, you know, this tour on the smaller stages, get all that attention from all these MCR fans. And we get a little like kindling for the scene, a little spark to keep things alive again. I really think uh, I mean, it's it's a possibility. I love your optimism. I wish I had that. 
<laughs> I, just, I mean, it, a shit ton of kids would show up. All ages, a lot of kids all up. ages, man. From from your age to my age to younger, and because they have younger fans, they have a lot of younger right. new fans who are discovering them every day. They are arguably bigger in death than they were in existence. That's tough. It, but it's yeah, tough. it's tough. But they've they've ushered in it, it, a new era of fans without even existing. Absolutely. So absolutely. All these people would come out, and then when My Chemical Romance never acknowledged Warp Tour again, they all go away. It's a band-aid for My Chemical Romance to reunite for Warp Tour. This is supposed to be nostalgic. That's all it's for. My yeah, but my thing is you cram all those kids into Warp Tour. They're gonna they're gonna check out other bands, you know? And and now all of a sudden, you know, maybe they see a neck deep. You know what I mean? Maybe they see a pierce the valley. You know what I mean? Maybe they, it's just it could help fuel the scene in the yes. way Warp Tour used to fuel the scene when you had Bring Me opening, you know, in 2013, and all those kids went and checked out all the other smaller bands, and we had this really cool thing going on. I just don't think the scene is like that anymore because the music is just generally shit. <laughs> <laughs> there's just not enough to offer i just don't the th- i bands. think the, the the basket is bare man we are scraping the bottom here and if kids are going to come out for a my chemical romance reunion they're going to see fucking who knows some pure noise band and they're going to be like god remember 2006 yeah those are the good old days i mean yeah they're going to see jewel vera and <laughs> I prevail and like you know it's you're right in that respect that the scene doesn't have much to offer at this time but um here's the thing I I I don't think this reunion is so impossible like I I'm starting to believe we will see it one day you know when these guys when they start running low on money things are gonna change that's definitely when we see bands reunite but I don't see it happening and here's my other thing these guys these aren't they're not we have this thing with my chem where we put them up in the sky as gods mm-hmm. these guys aren't like icons they're not gods you forget they're humans these are people who participated in the music industry they sold you a product and they took your money they're just musicians like they're not these otherworldly beings you know this band it didn't end for these magical grand planned reasons like this band ended because from everything I've been able to gather, like they weren't getting along. There were multiple members with substance issues. Their last album tanked. There were a ton of cooks in the kitchen trying to fix the band. The band was a hot mess. That's why the band ended. Mm-hmm. It wasn't working anymore, you know? And so that's my thing is we have this fairy tale sort of bookending put on them that I just, I don't think is really there. I think the reasons this band broke up are a lot realer than they appear. They broke up why most bands break up. And I think for that reason, they could get back together the same reasons most bands get back together. So do you think Gerard's just talking out of his ass when he said he wanted to end the band after the Black Parade? But, you know, yeah, because, you know, we see him try to play his bullshit anytime he has a new comic book to sell. You know, all of a sudden it's, well, maybe when he's got a new comic book, we see Frank do it, too. You know, yeah, it's they a possibility. All do it. they and then, do then they say never. You know, it's they're just they play the press cycle again, like any other band. These aren't. These guys aren't special. Like, it, I know in our, for some reason, it's hard, even hard for me. Gerard Way and Frank Iero and Mikey Way are angels, you know? They're like literally angelic creatures. But when I think of them as just band dudes, I see them move like band dudes. 
I just don't think they want to do it. Yeah, I mean, maybe at the I moment mean, they don't. But Gerard's when... got to deal with Netflix. Bob Breyer's living in the fucking woods, and <laughs> Bob Breyer's not coming back. That's <laughs> that's, that's been established. He's, so it uh... wouldn't be an official My Chemical Romance reunion, is what you're saying? No, Bob Breyer's not. Nobody cares about Bob. Nobody, nobody cares about Bob. Don't at me on Bob Breyer fans. Do not at me on Twitter again. Let it let it go. But go yeah, after nobody... him. Go after. No, I'm sending the wolves after I already, you, Matt. I already, I already dealt with the Bob. <laughs> he doesn't matter. As long as it's Mikey Way, Gerard Way, Frank Iro, and Ray Toro, that's all anybody cares about. You, don't worry, you don't worry about the legacy of My Chemical Romance at all? Because you and I have talked about the Under Oath reunion and right. how if in the future they release new music and it doesn't live up to our standards of Under Oath, you're worried. You told me you were worried about their legacy. Absolutely am terrified for their legacy. Would you, you know, be I don't worried about Under the Oath. My Chemical Romance legacy? <sighs> it's the issue that we face when bands make a comeback. With Good with Charlotte. Under Oath, okay, go ahead. It's Matt. because I'm less confident. I don't you knowing have that more band, confidence in My Chemical Romance than knowing Under Oath's fucking chaotic history and just how much that band is hated at each other and all of the fighting and all the infighting and and all of the creative differences and I just like to me under oath I have a lot less faith in them to execute and MCR I think if they come together as a unit a sober unit I think we've you know we've seen them make magic and they've got a big they've got a much bigger support system you know they've got a Warner Brothers records right there at any minute ready to give them the full push you know so that's it's just a different situation they're at a spot they're all at a spot in their lives where they, they can just kind of chill you know they don't have everything riding on it Ugh. I I think you could kind of they're two completely different stories for sure but I My Chemical Romance was a hot fucking mess man like it was bad those dudes didn't want to be in a band together anymore and Underworld sure. soldiered through it for years My Chemical Romance just kind of called it quits I mean there were a lot of factors to go along with it you know a failing album to be one of them but um it's been a long time. Yeah, and that's the thing is like these guys like weren't friends when they broke up and now they're hanging out again. Like it's like they took that necessary time away and I think, you know, Frank and Gerard are hanging out. You know, we recently saw like all the members hanging out at one show. I think um I think the channels are opening up. I just don't see it happening. <laughs> I think Gerard <laughs> is happy. To. He's happy in his little comic book world, and he's going to use My Chemical Romance whenever he feels like he needs to in <laughs> interviews to push his whatever world he wants to get into, whether that's fucking weird 80s action cat hesitant alien solo shit or some graphic novel. They're, they're just here to use the legacy of My Chemical Romance to push whatever they want to do I in their lives now that actually make them happy. I could see Warner Brothers, though, being like, yo, you're not allowed to put out another solo album unless you do the MCR thing first, after the way that album performed. Oh, Gerard released that on Warner Brothers? Yes. Oh. They, they own, yeah, they own Gerard for, for life. That's, for life, fam. That's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. So, we know Gerard at one point this year was working on new solo music, wasn't he? That, yeah, was, whatever, that was in the Gerard. news cycle or, or something. And what, Ray whatever, releases Gerard. a solo song every year. And, I mean, um, good for Ray. Like, good shots to Ray. Shots know? to Ray. <laughs> um, Electric Century's in the fucking gutter. Um, because Mikey Way is a child, and Mikey Way doesn't know how to run a band. And we all know that. Mikey Way should should be playing bass in My Chemical Romance. He shouldn't be running a band. That's why Electric Century never happened. You know, we gave them the cover at AP for 100 Bands You Need to Know, and that was a big fucking mistake. I feel like we shouldn't have did that, because 
Obviously, the band went nowhere. Um, century has never mattered. Frank Iero's still, he is trying. Like, I think, I know, think we got to give that dude some props. You got to give him props for just doing the band thing. He is hustling, know? man. Yeah, he's hustling. He's, like, driving around in a van, doing the band thing. And he's he's actually a really nice guy. I uh-huh. met Frank and... One, I'd say he's easily the nicest member of the band. But um, how funny would it be if, if they did reunite and they just did a Danger Days front to back? Oh, God. As if, like, a fuck you to, like, for not accepting the album. I, I think people would riot, man. Oh, no. Like, <laughs> here, you get us back, but, but on our terms. People just be chucking things at them. <laughs> people be chucking things. <laughs> we want the Black Parade, man. We want three cheers. I just want a leather mouth reunion, man. Can I mean, we get Frank like, to do that? Just do it, MCR. Just do it. Just, just like, see, there's just that it. entitlement, though. That's the entitlement that I'm talking about. They just, don't owe us shit, fi- man. It, it's the final warp tour. It's a good idea. Do it. It's you a know? good idea. That's your reason. <laughs> it's a good idea. Like, do it. If you want that to be your last show, I think they should do it. I don't know. Do I'm, one I'm just, date? No, not one day. I think you want them to do the entire fucking tour. Yeah, because they came up with it, you know, oh four, oh five. Yeah, but so did a hundred other bands. But like they, you know, MCR blew up, and it was a very special time, and they're they're very linked to Warp Tour. And uh, I don't know. I guess I agree with the crazy fans. And uh, My Chemical Romance don't owe us anything. Stop asking them to reunite. I, I don't think they owe us anything. I just, uh, y- yeah. Here's my thing. I think they're going to reunite at some point in the future, but we should probably just chill out and wait for it. Like, we don't need all these petitions. That That's kind of the point here. When the it's, hell are my chemical romance going to reunite? In, like, fucking 2020? Maybe. Well, dude's going to be, Gerard's going to be, like, 45. Man, so? I just don't see him marching around at the Black Parade, man. My man's not going to have, you know, the shaved bleach head again, you know, wearing the <laughs> fucking drummer boy uniform, but they're going to do it at some point. There's just no way they don't. I just don't see it. I think this band is supposed to go down, and they already did. <laughs> they were supposed to burn out, not fade away. Oh, man. Let this band um, live in legacy. No, man. We don't need to build... They... Mm. <laughs> it's a tough one. I, I, you know me. I've lost... I had an argument for this that I, I'm not allowed to use anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's tough. But um, I don't think we need to build a stone monument around this band and bury them in a tomb. If they want to come back, if they want to make a new album, if they want to do a tour, I think they can. I think they should. If they want to, they certainly can. I think, you know, we're starting to see, you know, the members hang out again and shit. I think we will get to a place where they want to again. And I think, I think we'll see it. The funniest part is that. I think that's okay. I don't think we need to bury. I don't think we need to mummify them like Tyler Sharp wants to and put them in King. (laughs) That's tomb, you know, <laughs> the legacy of King Tut, you know, Listen, bury them beneath the great, the great pyramid of Giza. If they want to come back, if they genuinely want to come back and play My Chemical Romance songs again, more power to them. I just don't think it's ever going to happen. And the funniest part is that My Chemical Romance aren't on either of ours, like, top 10 favorite bands lists of all no. time. <laughs> we, we think they're <laughs> like, a pretty, like... Not necessarily mediocre band, but they're definitely not as special as everyone, you know. As I'd say they, as, are, they are a very good band. Sure. And they were one of the most impactful. You know, they're, yes. they're almost yes. like, you know, it's the like they're a president. Undeniable. They're a presidential figure. They're a former president. They're, right. you know, it's like they're the Barack Obama of the scene. Like... Um, musically let's be honest here you're you're not you you be careful yeah i'm not you're not getting in trouble man i'm not 
I'm not. I'm sweating, I'm man. I'm, not, I'm just saying. I lo- I like a lot of MCR songs, and I think Danger Days is a fucking killer album. Um, um, there's some filler on those. On there's some filler on Black Parade and uh, Revenge. There's some filler on every My Chemical Romance album. That's for sure. <laughs> Except uh, Danger Days. Okay, let's move on to our next story, which is Panic at the Disco. Panic at the Disco announced a live album. Can I just say something, Tyler? Fuck live albums. <laughs> Do you Come give on, a shit? Man. Come on. Do you care? I don't really care. Does anybody care? Who Does anybody want live albums in a time when you can, you know, see a band whenever, you can see all their performances on YouTube, you can watch all their SNL performances, you can watch all their late night TV performances. There's HD video every day of Panic! The Disco from this store. Like, I don't know. What's the point of a live album? Do they matter? It's time to make some money, man. That's what it it comes down to. Right. It's obviously a cash grab. It's time to make some money, but it's not going to sell a lot, right? (laughs) So it's like it's not even a good cash grab. Correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, do you think this is something Panic! The Disco fans are going to buy? I mean, I could see it doing like 10,000 first week, somewhere around there. I mean, you got to think the album itself did 169,000 pure first week. Right. So, I mean, how much do you think they'll sell this for? 12 bucks somewhere around there sure so, what, so they make they're gonna make 120 grand off this album you know and then it's gonna fall off the charts i mean I maybe, so maybe when, they make a couple hundred thousand off the record you right, know right i think and, this comes down to filling a void in the cycle we we yeah. had a panicless summer right that's because brendan spent it all on broadway with kinky boots and he did his little acting solo thing and we haven't had panic since the arena tour which obviously was a massive deal and shouts to them and shouts to brendan for growing this thing so big but we haven't had panic in what eight months now it, so this is just a while this is just filling a void until we get actual stuff that matters from panic it's interesting that you point out the cycle i think you're very right this is just that point of the cycle where the band have been gone too long alert we need to throw some form of content out there so people remember this band coming off the last record death of a bachelor sold over 700,000 copies. You know, when you include streaming, it's gone. It's certified platinum. Mm-hmm. You know, they played stadiums. It's incredible. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they, they're the biggest they've ever been as a band. I mean, arguably, compared to the Fever era, it's a toss-up. But they're <laughs> they're one of the biggest bands out there right now. And, you know, they've had so much success. It's like, at what point in the cycle do we think they are at right now, coming off all that? Like, we've waited eight months now. Are they ready to record again? Like... Have if I had to, I have not heard anything, so this is yeah. pure speculation. But if I had to guess, I think we will get at least a single in 2018, a new Panic yeah. at the Disco single. Because if you remember, remember back on the uh, last cycle, they released Hallelujah like six months before the album was ever even announced. So I think that's kind of what it's going to come down to. Oh, I yeah, don't think we'll get true. the album until 2019, but I think we might get a single or two in 2018. It's so interesting when you think of the success Death of a Bachelor has had because you go back and Too Weird to Live was a big success for them. Right. And that album only went gold and it sold like in the high 400,000s. And then you go back even further, Vices, that only sold over 200,000 copies and wasn't that big of a success, had like no radio singles. And so we've really watched this band just claw their way back from the disaster of Pretty Odd. Have you ever seen a band's trajectory like this where, you know, they were huge, then down and have just kind of album by album clawed their way back up to the top? 
I can't think of another example. Well, it's so interesting to compare them to Fallout Boy. Them and yeah. Fallout Boy came up together, kind of. Pete Wentz took Brendan under his wing, and Brendan oh, I mean, has always kind of been under yeah. Pete's wing this entire his entire they career. Absolutely came up. You know, Panic were signed to Pete's label. Right. Absolutely. They absolutely came up together. So they both kind of went away. We both we didn't have Panic and Fallout Boy for a few years. Fallout Boy came back with Save Rock and Roll. My songs know what you did in the dark and. Panic kind of came back out of nowhere with Miss Jackson and Too Weird to Live. And these albums were definitely different, but the aesthetic of how they both came back and how they treated their music moving forward is very similar. And oh, yeah, no, it worked. Panic like it was a system, it worked. Yeah, Panic absolutely copy Fallout Boy. Right. It's, and they're both managed by the same management company. Mm-hmm. It's intentional, same label. It's. Panic, you know, Miss Jackson was there. My songs know what you did in the dark. They, right. The song, both the songs are very fucking similar sonically too. Absolutely. When you actually break them down, absolutely. But what it comes down to now is that Panic is kind of gaining ground on Fallout Boy in a sense. Yeah, and well, I mean, when we look at Mania compared to how you know Death of a Bachelor did, it's kind yeah. of not even close at this point. But we'll Definitely have to see not. how Mania does. But yeah. it just looks like Panic is almost becoming bigger than Fallout Boy, and it's kind of time to pose that question: Will Panic outrun Fallout Boy within the next two years? Yeah, it, it, it's certainly a possibility because Panic are you know doing very well, and Mania is to be seen. But mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, I think if you put it's not some it's not fair to put Death of a Bachelor up to Mania. You kind of have to put Death right. of a Bachelor up to uh, whatever um, American next. Beauty. American Psycho. Okay, okay. And that, which album was more successful? American Beauty. Right, you know, kind right. Kind of by far. So, so Fall Out Boy still hold the belt, but sure. you're right. There's a possibility there for usurp- for like a usurping to happen. Did you see this? Uh, Pete and Brendan in an interview with uh, Pop Buzz offhandedly kind of mentioned doing a project together. So I did. And we literally have an episode of this show called What Are Panic at the Disc or What Are Fallout Boy and, P- and Brendan Neary Plotting? Because for a second, it looked like Brendan was going to be on Mania. And then Mania got scrapped, whatever, delayed. We don't know what happened to those songs. All of them, they could be using more ideas from the old ones, whatever. They released a track list into Mania, and Brendan isn't listed as a feature on any of the songs, while there is another artist who's listed. So I, did did whatever they do together just kind of get evolved into a Pete and Brendan project? Or did they ever do anything together? We just don't know at this point. Yeah, very interesting interview with Pop Buzz. Shouts to all our friends at Pop Buzz. But I mean, like, what would what would this even sound like? You know, it's funny to think of these two doing a project together because not everybody remembers this. But back when Panic were first getting put on, there was a conspiracy theory that it was Patrick singing (laughs) because Brendan and Patrick sounded so similar. And, you know, their voices have changed a lot since then. But when you go back and listen to that early stuff, they were really doing they were hitting a lot of the same notes and they had a very similar style of singing. And there was like legit. I had friends tell me, no, it is the Fall Out Boy guy singing for Panic at Disco. And it's hard. You know, it's, this is before Twitter. This is before Instagram. And it, it, there were a lot of people who actually believed that Fall Out Boy and Panic had the same singer for a few months, so which funny. was a really funny time in the scene. That's so funny. And no one, rem- I mean, most people don't remember this, but they played as the Decadence All-Stars on the Warp Tour DVD in like 2009 or 2010. So, so and- random. 
and they covered Blink-182, and it was just Brendan and Pete and a couple other guys on stage, but it was literally Brendan and Pete, so... They've always been intertwined with one another, so it kind of makes sense that they would do something. I just don't know how much, like, would this matter? It, it would obviously matter, but would it, it would be matter, like a commercial probably. push from a major label? Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, that's why it would just make sense, like you said, as a feature. Like, just right. do the fucking feature song. Get it over with. Um, right. yeah. yeah, I was driving today, and uh, I slept with someone in Fall Out Boy. Came up on my Spotify shuffle. Ooh, oh, my God. Back, so fun. Man. I just cr- I cranked it. Dude, the lyric... I'm sorry my conscience called in sick again. Oh, right? love it so much. Classic fallout. Um, we had to move on, though, to our next story, which is Linkin Park. So Avenged Sevenfold singer M. Shadows, interestingly, interestingly said that Linkin Park have, quote, every right to continue as a band without Chester. I'm going to read uh, M. Shadows' quote he gave during this interview. He said, they're human beings and they have a long life to live. And I think if they love music this much, they have every right to move forward. Knowing Mike Shinoda as well as I do, he's always been, in my opinion, the leader of the band. He's the guy who gets things going. The guy who gets demos going. The guy who obsesses over every detail of the band. So what's your takeaway from this, Tyler Sharp? You know, M. Shadows kind of coming out and saying this band should continue. He's not wrong when he says that Mike is kind of like basically the band's manager and he's mm-hmm. the one who gets the ball rolling i mean we've we've talked about that on the show before chester passed right. um it was interesting this week to see their ama story break they won that award but the story was kind of the you know them quote unquote getting kicked out of the amas mike came out said shout out to clickbait journalism props to my man brian storm for breaking that story because it actually was a story but it was kind of the first time they'd been in the media cycle with something that didn't have to do with Chester. And mm-hmm. it made it feel like Linkin Park was still just a band. Right. So I can totally see this band moving forward. I don't think M. Shadows is like out of line here by any means. He's just commenting mm-hmm. on on what, you know, a question that he was asked about Linkin Park. And uh, I can, we talked about this when we talked about the tribute show and they, Mike played it a quote-unquote new song from the band, I could totally see it happening. And I think, if I had to give my guess, I think Mike has every intention of moving forward with Linkin Park. Yeah, so here's my first question here. You know, we know we know M. Shadows and Linkin Park are very close, those two camps. Mm-hmm. You know, and they have been for a long time. And Mike, you know, and M. Shadows are very good friends. Is this the band putting out a feeler through M. Shadows? Like, that was my <laughs> first suspicion, is that, like, this is something the band wanted to say, but... They just kind of had M. Shadows say it just to get it out there uh-huh. and gauge everyone's reaction, you know, because we know how tight they are. For sure. But I don't know. It's po- it seems possible. It's totally possible, but I felt like ah, I don't want to say this was genuine. And here you go. Like, listen, listen. When asked if the band would, would end it, Shadows said, quote, I don't think it's possible. And I think it would be a shame if he did. It's very so, definitive words. Yeah, like he's coming out like like he knows something. You know what I mean? Do you think that he knows something and not just very? He's speaking very confidently. I don't know. I think the band. I think this this could be the band putting out a feeler. You know, just in the same way that that they tested that first song at the uh, Chester show. But it's it's it, in the aftermath of Chester's death. Like it's interesting to think back to that because in the direct aftermath, I thought the band was over. You know, I was like, mm-hmm. that's it. Lincoln Park's done. Right. They're gone, you know. But now, after that tribute show, as time has passed, I'm, I'm, I'm like, more open to the idea now. And I, and I, w- I wouldn't particularly mind the band continuing at all. 
as long as he doesn't make it sound like Fort Minor, I'm good with it. I'm good with them moving on just with Mike. I think they can do it. Because you got to think this band is still a very successful enterprise, too. Like, the last album was really successful. Um, I think it's sold around 240,000 copies when you don't factor in streaming. You know, and it's probably going to go gold at some point. Heavy was a huge pop hit. They're a successful enterprise still, and it makes sense for them to continue forward. But like I gotta say, it's still it's gonna be weird to hear that sure. first album without Chester. absolutely. Like there's just no getting around it. I want them, the band to do what they want to do, but um, it's definitely gonna be weird to hear that. It's kind of an unprecedented world. We don't really know. Yeah. You know, Stone Temple Pilots got a new vocalist. They just announced that like last week. So bands, it wouldn't be the first time that a band has moved on yeah. with a new vocalist after their original one had passed. But at the level of Linkin Park, it's kind of unprecedented. So And Shadows does have a point that Shinoda really is the he's like not the show. You know, you have showrunners for TV shows. Shinoda is like the band runner for this band. Yes. You know, he does it all. He's the architect of it. You know, I think Han doesn't get enough credit for what he does, but it's mostly Shinoda and Han. And, you know, Chester would get distracted and go do Stone Temple Pilots, for example. You know right, what I mean? Right. And Mike's kind of the guy who would reel it in. But uh, also cool that they won that AMA because they beat out Imagine Dragons and 21 Pilots. Oh, like, thank God. Not, I didn't even know they knew, I didn't right? even know that. Yeah, they won for Best Alternative Rock artists and uh imagine dragons who are like tearing up the charts and 21 oh. pilots like those are two big dragons to slay so shouts to the band for that for sure definitely let's move on to our pop story this week which is black bear uh black bear is releasing his new album cyber sex on cyber monday and uh black bear is kind of an interesting musician to talk about you know like he's one of these guys he's like a singer rapper Mm-hmm. I'd say Tyler. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, you don't want to call him R&B because that makes it sound kind of boring. But like he's like <laughs> new R&B, you know, like he's very like SoundCloud underground influenced, you know, he's very hip hop. He sort of wears hip hop as a costume. He's a big personality. And what, the one thing I'd say he's really good at is melody. And he's one of these yes. guys. He's like he's produced for a very long time beside, behind the scenes. He's one of these producer guys. And now that uh-huh. he's finally getting his moment to be the star. He's produced for everyone from Linkin Park and Nick Jonas to he produced some songs on Tyler Carter of Issues solo album. Oh, um, man, I didn't know that. He's been all over the place. I mean, he's been in the industry working forever. The first big song he produced, which shocked me when I heard it, was Justin Bieber's Boyfriend. He yeah, produced, you told you know, me he about that one. He not produced, wrote. Mm-hmm. Sorry, when, if I've said he's produced some of these songs, he might have written them or co-wrote them. But he's also, uh, him and Mike Posner have been homies for a long time and have been working like, together. It's interesting that we're doing this as the pop story to me because he has scene connections. Like you just mm. said, he has worked with Tyler Carter in some capacity before. But right now, he's on tour with Fall Out Boy. He's opening their Mania tour. So he's involved in that world and he's very much aware of the scene and a lot of our artists. So I think that's really cool. He just has an interesting hype around him that's undeniable. You know, like there's 10 million Spotify listeners, you know, like he's just he's the most exciting pop story this week. You know, despite all of these bigger acts like Demi Lovato and people doing things, there's just this there's this tangible hype around Black Bear. And I don't know where it came from. It was just like 2017. All of a sudden, Black Bear was cool as fuck. Like what? Right, right. I just think these songs are interesting in their own world. Like there's just not like you said, he's kind of like this SoundCloud rap meets R&B meets EDM kind of dude. And like it's kind of like when we talk about Lil Peep, how different and how genre bending his songs were. 
Black Boar is kind of in that same lane, and it's really interesting right. to talk about. Yeah, it is. He, all of those things you said, and then you combine it with a great sense of melody right. and, and a really unique voice. Mm-hmm. Like, I've just you, never heard a singer like him. And he, I, and he also wears this gangster, super successful costume, you know? Like, he's not... It's not like he's fronting, right? When he says he gets off a private jet and he has security guards with him. Right. He's like, he's having fun with it. He's playing theater. You know, he knows he's not that rich and that successful right. yet. But like, right. he, he, he sings like he is on the song, uh, on the album. Um, we haven't heard the whole album yet, or at least I haven't. Have you? No, I have not. But Only he's the dropped singles. so many singles that like we've at least heard more than half of it. I mean, what's right. your takeaway so far? Yeah, so my favorite songs thus far are kind of his more low-key bangers. My favorite song uh, right now is Anxiety. I mean, okay. straight up Banger Nation. It's time to stand up. Thank that song is great. Absolutely awesome. And it's probably his most Justin Bieber, Diplo, EDM-y track that we've heard so far. But Absolutely. his like sultry you got, you voice. You got the chipmunk right, EDM right. going on there in the chorus. Totally. And maybe I'm a little biased to that sound right now. But Hey, man, love that sound. I, I hit that hard. I, I'm doing lines of that sound all day. Like, <laughs> it's so good, up. dude. It's so good. <laughs> And I love the closer on the album that he put out, Santa Camonica and La Brea. It's a great low-key song. It's just a good... It almost feels like the Postal Service at some moment. It's <laughs> such low-key techno-y kind yeah. of stuff, and it's not necessarily EDM. So I loved that vibe. I really came around on the Tanache song, Up In This. She, okay. Her parts make that entire song. I, and then the dichotomy between her and his, like... He's got a very sultry voice. It's almost like soulful at some point. It's points. very swag. Yeah. Is how I would it's it's, just, it's, it's, it's like swag core. Like the amount yeah. of swag in that voice, like the swag meter is breaking. When, right. I don't know. I don't know how he has so much swag in that voice. He's just like, you know, he's just like a skinny white dude with pink hair. Right. Where does, you know, right. like the, the swag come from? I don't get it, but he's right. got it. Um, my favorite songs are Santa Monica, Santa Monica, up in this, which is the Tanache feature, uh-huh. Playboy shit, which features Lil Aaron, my boy. and um, Got to Go, Talk to You Later, and Anxiety. I guess I like all the songs that have come out so far, <laughs> right, apparently. dude? Um, I guess I'm about this, but um, yeah, like Playboy shit is a song that makes me feel really good when I hear it. It's a really good party jam. I can see it bumping at like college parties, you know, this whole fall semester. It really reminds me of Escalade, the song that Lil yeah. Aaron and Black Bear did before this album yeah. earlier this year. It could definitely be bumping. You'll hear it bumping at rat houses. You totally. know what I mean? It's that kind of party jam. Um, Up in this with Tinashe, I really like I really love Tinashe. She's super underrated mm-hmm. R&B singer. She's great. She's a good mix. And I actually really like Black Bear's parts on Up in this. Like there's a sense of urgency to his singing, right. you know, it's, it's just it's great. It feels very of the moment. I like I also want to just real quick. I like the color palette going on with this album Do you? and his look. His hair is pastel pink. The uh-huh. album is past cover is pastel pink, but it's not like a it's not like a shiny pink. It's like a it's like a chalky pink. Sure. Do you know what I'm saying? Yep. It's just an interesting look I haven't seen before from an artist, and I I really like it. I like the whole color palette going around this release. Totally. You mentioned "Gotta Go." Talk to you later. That song is really interesting to me because it starts off with like the base of the song is this acoustic guitar that sounds like he just rips it from a Jack Johnson song, but the dichotomy <laughs> of black bear himself in the atmosphere right. in that world is so intriguing and he totally pulls it off i really like that song. Own, he is his own instrument you know what i mean Basically, his voice it's yeah. his own fucking thing it, yeah like it, it's not just a jack johnson song because it's black bear's thing his voice is like this electronic 
element. But we got to move on, Tyler. All right. And we got to talk about I Prevail, who released a new music video for Already Dead from their wildly successful album, Lifelines. Shouts to Fearless Records, counting that radio rock money. (laughs) Uh, this video sees the band take over an old fat troll guy's computer screen. Um, I guess this is kind of the band. The band are venting some anger at all the hate they get online. That's kind of what I took away from the video. Yeah, like they've never been one to shy away from their haters. Their vocalist likes to release these long statements about how defending the way they came up with their viral videos and all this stuff and how I'll, and he's not wrong he is completely legit how i prevail did it they found a system that worked to, to get their music in front of people and i think it's honestly quite hilarious to see bands like bless the fall hate on i prevail because of the way they got big i think that's so yeah. funny because bless the fall is just fading into irrelevancy at this point but this video is just whatever. Scene kid, yeah. the 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 old guy that you mentioned, he's from Tenacious D. Scene kids mm-hmm. don't give a shit about Tenacious D, and probably most of them don't even know what that is. Or yeah, <laughs> or at any, this uh, point, right? Yeah, like For sure. And this song is like Gideon and Wage War have both already written this song before. This is a heavier I Prevail song, and it could fall in line with either of those bands easily so this was kind of a whatever experience for me what about you i was just you know like yeah like everything you said you know the band are having success fuck what's the fall but like wow they are a bad band like you know <laughs> they're just they're just not good at music oh and God. on the entire album like this song might be like to me this feels like their most blatant attempt at like walmart a day to remember you know sure. it's just so like the heavier side of a day to remember it's just so fucking watered down. Like, if, if this is the 90s and a day to remember are Backstreet Boys or NSYNC, then, like, I Prevail or 98 Degrees or O-Town. <laughs> you know, or the Baby When the Lights Go Out band. Like, that's how I see it. You know what I mean? They're just they're just a fucking knockoff. And, and they're not good. They're not even good at being a knockoff. But, as I say this, Lifelines has officially sold over 100,000 copies. Not only was Alone a top five rock radio success, but their title track from that album is now climbing radio. It's at number 27. They... It's happening, and we should be happy for them. <laughs> yes, we <laughs> should man, definitely be happy for them. But it's hard. It is hard. It's hard. Because they do the bare it... minimum. That's what these songs are. Right. The bare it's minimum. Hard. It's easy to be happy for them when I don't have to listen to the music. But when we have to dive into <laughs> it like this, it's like, ooh, it's hard to be happy for you when you're this bad. Sure. Because they, they really are bad. Yeah. These songs are the bare minimum of what it takes to get people's attention. And when you are, your main traffic comes from the attention of strangers from viral momentum on Facebook, it makes sense that this is what people are going to gravitate towards because it's so forgettable and it's so bottom line yeah. that it's so, going to grab the attention of the casual listener. And This song is like a 5 out of 10 for me. It's so bad to me. Like This makes Alone sound like oh Welcome to the fucking Black God. Parade or something. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> That's how bad this song is to me. Um, how about you? Yeah, I'm at like a 4, 4.5, somewhere in between there. It's I've already heard this song before, and All it right. was more fun when Gideon and Wage War did it first. Let's move on to our next story, which is Waterpark singer Austin Knight released a solo song called Worst. Have you had a chance to listen to this song? Tyler so Sharp. I have, and I have a question to that. Do we know for sure if this is a solo song? Well, what's interesting is that he's on the cover of AP right now right. as a solo artist, or the the upcoming issue of AP, which um, that actually looks really cool. I'm going to have to cop that for sure. Definitely. Um, Props. AP is doing their whole new rollout. Um, they totally upgraded the magazine. 
it's like a new thick nice glossy experience it looks really cool but he's on the cover of that as a solo artist not as water parks so right. for ap to be relaunching their magazine with him as a solo artist on the cover i think we're getting strong solo signals which is weird you know from water parks perspective right now especially yeah. because they're rolling out their new album i just right. thought i got weird vibes from all of this so i did a little dive I didn't dive totally deep, so I may be missing a few things. Basically, he tweeted out a link to this song, deleted the tweet after, like, really quickly. Basically, what I've been able to gather is it's about his ex, and I mm. guess that was a pretty, you know, relationship went down pretty hard. Um, yeah. The song itself is better than any water park song I've ever heard, and it's just a few 808s away from being a Black Bear song. <laughs> There are so, I think that in the future, you know, when water parks inevitably falls, I think (laughs) Austin could have a career as this solo sound cloudy R&B type singer, just like Black Bear. Could you not see that? Like, doesn't that make more sense for Austin than water parks does? I don't think his voice is, is, is good enough for that. Um, I think he's more of an Alex Gaskarth where he needs a band to hide behind, you know, vocally. So you don't I like the song? I don't like the song. I wanted wow. the Wow. I really wow. wanted to. Because, you, know, you know, we're just coming off. We both liked that new Water Park single. <laughs> we did. What's, that called? What's it called again? Um, um, Blonde. Like, Blonde, yeah. We both liked that. And I was pretty stoked on it. And I was, I was like a little stoked for Water Parks for the first time ever. So I wanted to like this. But I didn't. Yeah, I thought it was bad. I'm at like a four out of ten on it. Um, is there? It's just so weird to think. Is there a serious solo plan here? Like water parks as a band haven't even really happened yet. You know, the, we taught. You know, they've been premature on everything. They haven't really sold any records. They don't get a lot of streams. They're not that big yet. But yeah, you know, right, they get all right. the press attention in the world. They're on the cover of every magazine. We're already gonna start this solo bullshit like before the band's even established. It's just so confusing. I almost wonder if Austin was home at his mm-hmm. parents' house over a holiday weekend and got bored and tweeted this out and it and didn't really realize what it was gonna mean. I <sighs> I, that's always in the back of my mind, but at the same rate, I'm always the cynical music industry asshole who says this is calculated. Right. This is with the Madden brothers managing him and controlling his every move from the time this band stepped onto the scene. Right. You know, right? Everything with this band, you know, has been so calculated. But I could, there's a part of me where I could see that he was bored at his parents' house over the weekend. It was just like, well, I'm thinking about my ex. Here's this song that says some mean things. I like how Water Parks is where Tyler Sharp finds his optimism somehow. <laughs> we but, um, <laughs> let's move world, on, man. What let's, a yeah, man. Let's world. move on to our next story, which is Suicide Silence. Um, Suicide Silence announced a special show package where you can pay $150 to be their roadie <laughs> okay. for a day. Um, this has not been received well, and the metal world is having their own little Kellen Quinn Polaroid gate. So basically, you can pay the band to work for them for a day has been the narrative. Right, Tyler? I mean, that's kind of what everyone's That's what it is. That's exactly what it is. And fuck this band, man. Oh, man. Can you just say, like, this? they can't stop doing stupid things in 2017. I don't understand it. What the hell were they thinking? Okay. You, we're, you can pay us so you can work for us. And we'll give you a fucking t-shirt. And it's going to say, get the fuck out of my way. In super edgy font. Fuck oh, this band, man. I'm done. I'm done with Suicide <laughs> Silence. It's, I'm just... 
I need them to go away because that's they need to at this point. This is fucking ridiculous. You are still so mad about that last album. I can hear it in your voice. Okay, all right. I have in all cap locks in my notes, come to the band's defense. Like I was feeling really... (laughs) I was feeling really uh, strongly about this yesterday, I guess. Okay, so, all right, first off, let's go through what this package actually is. It includes work alongside the crew during load-in. Next one, stand side stage, stand side stage for Suicide Silence's set. Enjoy a pre-show meal with the crew. Mingle with the band during sound check. Exclusive t-shirt. Working crew laminate. This, to me, doesn't sound like a jackass thing to do at all. I don't think the band are under any illusion that you're going to be helping their crews like so much and they're like going to be making free labor off you. You're getting a pretty decent. Think about it. Like if you're a fan of this band, you're getting a pretty decent experience. You know, you get to hang out with their crew, check out their gear. You get to watch the band during sound check. You get to eat with the band. You get to you get a T-shirt, you get a laminate. I don't know. I, mean, I don't know if it's worth 100. It seems to me like if you're a big fan, 150 bucks, this is a pretty special kind of concert experience. Like, it's not like they're just like, hey, come work for us. You know, I think the metal blogs really just blew this one out of proportion. Like, shame on you guys. Like, shame on Metal Injection, PRP, and Lamgo. I, I, I don't think I don't think this is like as bad as the narrative, you know, is is casting it out to be. I have so many things to say to that. First off, the meal that they're talking about is fucking weird. <laughs> They're not paying for that. They're getting that food. Have you ever stood side stage at a show? It sounds like shit because you're not in front of the fucking speakers. Congratulations. You feel validated when you're side stage at a show. That's bullshit. That's fun for fans. Don't even try to front. I've stood side stage, side stage for many bands just, you know, because I wanted to because it's fun. It's a fun experience. It's masked as a fun experience. Most people want it. I would say no. Most You're, kids that listen to heavy to music do... like this want to be in the pit. They no, want to be out in the crowd. If you could be... All right. They work alongside the crew. What if some kid's lifting something and gets fucking hurt? Dude, they're not even going to be really doing work. Like, you're going to be... They're, the crew's not even going to want you in their way. There's literally listed on here, mingle with the band during sound check. That sounds dope. What, this right. None of this makes any sense to me. And it's the st- there's a reason why this has never been done before. This is a contest. You have a contest. This is what you win. You don't pay 150 fucking dollars to quote unquote hang out with a band for a night. That's bullshit. This, this just seems to me like a VIP experience masked in an interesting way that's all it is and i think it got blown out of proportion really like uh, you're getting to hang out with the band you're getting the fucking t-shirt you're getting a laminate you're even getting to eat with them it's just that's all it is is a vip experience you get a laminate that's part of a vip experience we did that at the apmas we gave laminates to our vip people like that's part of i mean 150 bucks show ticket add all this stuff up you know i mean maybe it's a little overpriced and that's what you can ding them on. But to me, it's just a VIP experience. It's not like I don't think they're trying to use anyone for like free labor. I really don't think they're under the impression they're going to save money by having their bands, their fans load all their equipment. You know, they're not saving money. They're making money. <laughs> you think they're <laughs> it's one hundred and fifty dollars, man. man. How much I'm is having... a fucking suicide silent ticket? 
I wouldn't pay more than five dollars to go see this band. <laughs> They're more than five dollars, and that's sure. fucking ridiculous. What? So fifteen, fifteen to twenty dollars to go see Suicide Silence? Oh, here's a hundred and fifty dollars. So I'm I can getting just go hang flashbacks. out backstage. I'm getting war flashbacks to Polaroid Gate now. From I this. wish it was so like, much bigger. Oh Shouts God. to Brendan from Counterparts for calling this bro out on Twitter. Uh, Oh my god. Um I'm having Vietnam. Like I'm seeing the helicopters and the napalm man to Polaroid Gate. Like, I wish it would have been more of a big deal. For those who don't remember, Polaroid Gate, Sleeping with Sirens announced a special Polaroid photo package where you could take a picture with Kellen Quinn for eighty dollars. And um the narrative quickly became that Kellen wants eighty dollars for you to take a picture with him. And shit got wild. The entire scene, including fans and musicians like Ali Sykes, turned on the band. And it was crazy. Pretty much every band you could ever imagine <laughs> that was existing in the scene at that point called out Kellen, including Ali Sykes. That was the biggest it, one. It's up there, right? In the, like, as far as scene controversies go, it's, it's in the top, yeah. top five, right? I mean, like, it was all anyone talked about for a week. If you just Google Pup Fresh Kellen Quinn Polaroid, they have screenshots just, of every tweet from every band member in a post, just, yeah. and it's still just, live. Yeah, you can just Google Pol. I mean, Polaroid, the word has just Polaroid. now fucking synonymous. <laughs> like, anytime anybody brings it up, people laugh. But, um, you know, again, like, Kellen, you know. Oh, here we go. He's going to defend Polaroid Gate. He's going to defend narrative, it. Right. I, I'm going to defend Polaroid Gate. The narrative, Kellen wants $80 to take a fucking picture with him. But when you actually looked at what the package was, this is what your $80 was getting you. An autographed Polaroid photo with Kellen. So you get to take a picture with Kellen. It's printed on Polaroid paper, which is more expensive, you know, than a digital photo. Ooh. And it's autographed by him. A group Q&A session with Kellen was included. A singing session with Sleeping with Sirens was included. A large double-sided autographed poster was included. Early entry to their Fieldist tour was included, as well as a general admission ticket to the Fieldist tour. So when you add all that up, $80 is really fucking reasonable for all that. That is not a bad deal at all. It's just you see how quickly the narrative can become. The narrative can become that Kellen wants $80 for you to snap a picture with him. And the narrative runs away from what's actually going on. It's not actually that bad. I just don't agree with it. And I don't want to be the main here and be like... But like, I'm not saying you don't agree with it, but if it's not for you to disagree or agree with. If you were one of those people who wanted to meet Kellen, you got to agree that like that's not a bad deal. All that shit you're getting for $80? I think it's wrong. I will say that... Um... You're against the concept in general of meeting of the, this whole... Thing. You don't think sure. people should pay to meet musicians. And I think that Kellen's ordeal and the Suicide Silence ordeal are two completely different things. You and I have talked about off the show how kind of blown out of proportion the Kellen thing was because of the angle. This is wrong. <laughs> this is totally different. They branded this thing. The whole angle is working for the band. That's the Come first bullet point. Work alongside the crew. And you get a shirt that says Sue Crew. And on the back it says get the fuck out of my way. You're a security person. That's what it, that's what this is. And if you want to pay $150 to go do it, what the fuck ever, man, but you're I mean, wasting it's an, your it's money. certainly an experience you could have with the band. I mean, Maybe. if you've got the cash to burn and you're a super fan, it sounds like to me it'd be more fun than just going to the show. Are there any Suicide Silence super fans left? I know you feel that way, Tyler, because you're so upset about the last album, but I bet I bet you there are. I don't 
think this is good. <laughs> this is not I, good. I don't think it's good either. I'm just saying my whole point is shame on the metal blogs because it, it, just like the Calvin no. Quinn narrative got away. It, you and I would have run this story. We would have run it, but it, it's just see this, it, now you're not, a hypocrite. We would have run this story. We we okay. We would have run this story, but not in the same way the metal blogs did. Like we I absolutely presented would've. factual journalism. And we would have showed, look at all this stuff you actually get. It's not, the way the blogs made it sound is, oh, you pay the band and just be their roadie. They didn't, they didn't mention, you know, you get all, you actually get all this shit. And you actually get to spend time with the band. What do you Which get? Some a people want. Of course, you you're going to be a roadie. You get a laminate you're and you get to hang out with the band you, during sound check, bro. If you're going to be a quote unquote roadie for a band, for you're obviously going to meet them and hang out with them for a little bit. <laughs> That's so a you given. Side stage for the show in the headline. Pay Suicide Silence one hundred and fifty dollars, and you can be their roadie for one show. That's Lambgoat's headline. That's literally what <laughs> the fuck this really is. What do you want to say? You it's, get a T-shirt a in the fan, headline too. It's a fan experience. No, it is it's not. It's a fan experience. You're not it is really a blatant a cash roadie. grab from a legal reasons up and more band. reasons. You're not their roadie. It's it's an, it's a fan experience branded as roadie because in the metal world, roadie sounds cool. That's all it is. The music industry is complete bullshit, and this is a failing band grabbing its straws to make some money. Uh, I I don't think it's that bad, but we got I gotta read the uh, back to <laughs> back to Lori Gate. I gotta read the uh, the the Ali Sykes call out because oh my god. So after the whole Kellen Quinn thing happens, Ali tweets. Next USA tour, Ali Sykes, special Polaroid package. Take a photo with me. Special price. Absolutely no charge at all. <laughs> Fucking cock stars. <laughs> the tweet, like, to go down in infamy of all tweets, of all scenes. That's probably the most retweeted scene tweet ever, I think. Whoever writes the book, that tweet's going to get its own page. Right? Just, like, a full spread of it? Yep. Just, yep. just picture of that tweet. It's got to be the most retweeted scene tweet of all time. Like... Fucking cock stars has now just become another synonymous thing, you know? I didn't know what a cock star was before <laughs> Ali did that. <laughs> Could you believe when he got a tattoo of the feather, of the feel feather on his face? I couldn't it's believe great. that. I was like, really? We're going to take this this far? I was all for a sleeping bring me beef. But then they ironed what? it out within a few days. Yeah, they did. They clean- Ali tweeted like, you know, I didn't mean any hate, but like it was just... He took the pulse of the moment, and the pulse of the moment was that Kellen wants eighty dollars for you to take a selfie with him, you know. And imagine he if he it tweeted out. it now, man. Bring me is right. just so out outgrown sleeping by leaves. Right, and now you look at it, Ollie. It's funny because Ollie's become the cock star. You know, <laughs> Ollie. Would, you want to take a picture with Ollie? You're paying a thousand dollars. You know yeah. what I mean? Like he's not taking a fucking picture with you. Like, yeah, man. It's so funny how the tables have turned. Kellen's way more fan oriented. Because he as has he was to be. This, as he was with this generous $80 package. Yeah, yeah, you should be praising him. But he has <laughs> to be now. He doesn't have a choice. He has to hold on to whatever fans are left. I wasn't being sarcastic, by the way. I do believe that this was a generous $80 package. Mm, agree to disagree, <laughs> my friend. We can go back and forth all day, and I'll totally do it. No, by the way, special <laughs> noticing uh, bonus episode coming in the future at some point just on Polaroid Gate. Absolutely. We're going to do a whole Polaroid Gate episode at yes. some point. Every tweet, it's gotta happen. every tweet, it's coming out. It's coming out. We'll do the tweet. I want to do the oral history of Polaroid, oh, Polaroid Gate. I want to get band members involved, but I think this uh, this podcast has officially derailed Tyler Show. I think so. I think we uh, we unfortunately um, have to wrap this up. Yes. Um, thank you so much, everyone, for listening this week. 
If you enjoy the show, please take the time to rate and review us on iTunes. Just hit that five-star button, and we will love you. If you have any questions, send them in to nipscene at gmail.com, and we will happily answer them on the show. All right, see you later.